Hi, this is Charlie O'Shields, and welcome back to Sketching Stuff. For this week's episode, I thought it might be fun to celebrate all of those furry friends in our life. Most of us have had a pet at some point in our lives, and perhaps have one snuggled up next to them at this very moment. Owning a pet is certainly a bit of responsibility, but all of the effort is rewarded with what is guaranteed to be a wonderful experience. Sure, we tend to live a bit longer than they do, so there are times when it's bittersweet, other times when it's full of laughter and joy, and then those times of quiet contentment when everything feels just right and beautiful. These are some of my stories that I hope will remind you of some of the amazing times you've shared with your furry friends. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. We'll all have more energy left for playtime. Playing with a pet. Certainly one of life's favorite simple pleasures is playing with a pet of some kind, depending on the type of pet you prefer. Although I'm allergic to cats, I think they're super cute, so I've doodle-washed a little kitten for today who'd like to play with this ball of yarn, for those of you out there who can do so with him without sneezing. Kittens always seem to be up for a bit of play. My own pet, a tenacious Basenji, will pod me to get my attention. It's less of an invitation to play and more of a provocation with a message of, what you're doing is stupid. Please stop that nonsense immediately and focus on me instead. If you do so and attempt to play with him, he'll look at you as though you're crazy. Apparently you are already playing a game and were just too dumb to realize it. He'll soon just sneeze to express his displeasure with you and wander away into another room of the house. On some days, this inscrutable behavior really makes me wish I had a kitten. But of course, it's my dog's unique personality that ultimately makes him so interesting. And although I almost never understand the rules of the games he makes up, attempting to play them is still really fun. The connection with a pet is amazing. Without the benefit or distraction of babbling on about things, you're forced to connect in much different ways. It's such a soulful connection and one that works equally well with two humans, if they're ever able to sit in silence together. Soon, after all the games have been exhausted, you'll still find Phineas the Basenji curled up next to one or both of us. Despite our obvious shortcomings, he's quick to forgive and happy to receive a bit of cuddling every now and then. And no matter how irritating he was in the moments prior, all is forgotten on our part as well. It's a perfect circle of unconditional love. There's a lot to learn from the relationship between humans and animals. I've not even begun to understand all of it. A fact that Phineas will definitely concur with based on his expressions. But I do know that that feeling of love for the simplest of reasons is one of the most rewarding experiences in life. Those times that make us smile and feel a warmth and happiness that words just can't express. There are always those milestone occasions, the ones with so many incredible things happening that it burns a full story into our memories. But I'm personally an even bigger fan of those tiny moments, the ones you almost miss if you're not paying attention properly. These almost microscopic moments are the ones that stitch the very fabric of our happiness. A quilt of love that makes life far more amazing than it was, even just a tiny moment before. And so, I've just been told by my furry companion that it's time to bid you farewell and focus on the very important matter of playing with a pet.
My first dog. Once I doodle washed my very first childhood pet, which in this case was a black and white border collie named Misty. When I was very little, Misty was like a third mother to me, the second being my sister, and was always guarding me everywhere I went. My sister is 12 years older than I am and always will be, a fact I like to remind her of any time we're together. When I was a baby and a young child, she was still living in the same house and the three of us would often go on walks together. At my age at that time, I didn't walk so much as roll along next to them. Once, when my sister was pushing me around in my stroller, we stopped at a store and the sales clerk said, Your son is so cute, to which my sister quickly replied, Oh, he's not my son, he's my little brother. I looked up at her from my stroller with a gleam in my eye, began to mock cry and said, What? Why would you say that, mommy? The clerk looked at her sternly and my sister turned red, not knowing what to say, spun around and simply rolled me away. Outside, we were rejoined by Misty and continued our stroll. Misty always walked very close beside me, sizing up all of the people passing to ensure that they were not going to harm her baby. I love that dog so much and have such strong memories of her, even though our time together was relatively short. I remember in our house, there was a flimsy screen door behind the main door leading to the garage. We'd leave the garage door open a bit, and whenever Misty wanted to come in from outside, she'd pull the door open with her nose. Not being able to negotiate the doorknob, the screen would just swing shut again with a bang, but we'd be alerted to her presence and let her inside. It was potentially irritating for adults, but for a child it was just the wonderful sound of a friend coming home. This is the point in the story that you could find out that Misty was older and that we didn't get to grow up together. You could also find out about a certain milk truck driver who wasn't paying attention while driving down the street. But that's a story with an ending, and that's not quite how things would go. Soon after Misty was gone, we were sitting around the table and having dinner. Everyone was unusually quiet as they were still trying to grow accustomed to the new normal. That's when we all heard it. The screen door inside the garage swung out and made the familiar bang. We froze, not knowing what to think. My mom went over to the door and there was, of course, nothing there. But over the next couple years, we would occasionally hear the door and I would tell my mother it was Misty, or more accurately, the ghost of Misty. My mother didn't believe in ghosts, she was an adult after all. It's just the wind, Charlie, she'd say, and I'd inform her that the garage door wasn't open and ask, wind from where? I just wanted to believe that Misty stuck around a bit, that she just wasn't ready to stop looking after me. And at a time when I should have felt loss and grief, I felt a strange sense of comfort. Sure, it was from a ghost dog who was now more ironically named Misty, but as a kid, this just seemed pretty cool. She was still with me, and all I had to do was listen for the sound of my friend coming home. Sparky the Hamster I love animals and once got the joy of owning a childhood hamster. His name was Sparky and he was cuddly and cute and extremely friendly. 
He had a rather elaborate system of tubes to play in, as well as an exercise wheel, which he never really used, preferring other pursuits like burrowing under the wood chips to hide from people. Sparky and I had much in common. It's rather difficult to tell if a hamster actually likes you. They seem curious and inquisitive, but less like they care and more like an elderly aunt you seldom see who has completely forgotten your name. Sparky was just so cute that it really didn't matter. And he seemed to enjoy being held as he always sat very still and became calm. Now, as I type this, I realize he was probably just totally terrified and playing possum. One day, I came home from school and rushed up to check on Sparky. I couldn't see him immediately, but this was always the case. I waited for him to come out from his wood chip man cave and meet me for the first time again, but he never came. And it was then I noticed one of the tubes had been carefully pulled away and Sparky had made a break for it. I looked everywhere in the house and even left out food for him, but he was sadly nowhere to be found. I spent the requisite feels like an eternity kid-style mourning period of about two to three days before I asked my mom for a replacement. The replacement came in the form of a new and slightly smaller golden hamster. This one was female. And while I could never quite tell if Sparky liked me, she made it completely clear that she hated me. She had played it like the lonely, sweet orphan in the store, but once in my house, she was pissed. I can't even remember her actual name because I started calling her Satan. She would not tolerate being held and would immediately start hissing and spitting if you tried to touch her. If you thought you could calm her down by holding her, you'd instead find yourself riddled with brown bullets as she tried to assassinate you. It was less than a week later and I was still devastated that my sweet little Sparky had gone and left me with a demonic hamster when I heard a scratching noise. I wasn't sure at first where it was coming from, but I soon discovered it was coming from the closet. I slid open the door to reveal Sparky. At least I thought it must be him. His cheeks were six times larger than I remember them. My child brain was in peril as it seemed like my choices were limited to the now deformed hamster I loved or the screaming banshee in the cage. I didn't want either of them. Luckily, a quick check in the encyclopedia helped me to discover that Sparky's mumps were simply a case of food hoarding and would go away. Satan's condition, however, wasn't listed, so I assume she must be covered by the store's return policy. And so things would soon be returned to normal. Of course, now I see plainly that Sparky had tried to escape, so he didn't like me much more than Satan, but at least he wasn't violent about it. I never had another hamster after these, and I'm sure hamsters everywhere were breathing a sigh of relief. Even if he wasn't actually fond of me, I still remember Sparky fondly. He's now in a hamster heaven somewhere with all of his actual friends doing the world's largest hamster dance, and Satan is, well, exactly where you might expect. Sometimes you get lucky. Today my mind went to my grandmother's collie named Lucky, though he's since moved on and it's been many years since he was playing in the fields on my grandmother's farm, it's a wonderful memory. He was one of the sweetest dogs on the planet and a great protector of little kids like me. 
I remember that he always appeared to be smiling and his soulful eyes would stare right into your heart. I don't actually have a photo of him, so I've had to use references that match what I remember him looking like. And I also discovered that collies are ridiculously tough to sketch quickly. I doubt I could capture all of that spirit in a tiny little doodle wash anyway, but as a childhood memory, he's definitely at the top of the list. As kids visiting a farm, we'd always loved to go exploring, and Lucky was more than happy to be our tour guide. He did not simply follow along behind us, but often in front, leading us to the next location he found interesting. We happily followed. Now as an adult, I realize he was leading us out of dangerous areas and into places that were much safer. I've no idea how he knew, but he was always figuratively and literally one step ahead of us. There are so many feelings to express when I think of him, but it's nearly impossible to put into words that would make sense. I remember taking a ceramics class and I decided to choose a collie mold and paint it for my grandmother. It was almost comical to see Lucky in the form of a trophy, but also rather fitting. She seemed to genuinely love it as I recall, but grandmothers are good at making you feel that way even if they think the thing is awful. Eventually, the years would go by and he would start to slow down until that one visit when we were told that he wasn't coming back again. I remember crying when I learned that he was no longer with us. It wasn't my dog, but it was still like losing a close friend. I've had many dogs over the years and I've loved them all, but some stick in your mind more than others. He was one of those. And if I close my eyes, I can still remember the feel of his fur and his wet nose pushing my hand back into place to let me know he wasn't done being petted just yet. He had a quiet contentment and a joy for everything around him, even on the most brutally hot summer days. I'll never forget him and will always cherish those memories. Just a little puppy that grew into an amazing and loving creature. You don't always know what kind of dog you'll end up with, but sometimes you get lucky. If I could have a kitten. Make no mistake, I think kittens are the cutest little things in the world. I've always admired them from afar because getting too close results in sneezing and eyes full of tears. Yes, I'm sadly allergic to cats, so I've never had the joy of raising one. My only other known allergy is to mangoes, which feels less troubling. Having a single fruit you can't eat somehow pales in comparison to not be able to cuddle a cute little kitten when you happen upon one. It doesn't always stop me, of course, as the urge to pet them is simply too great. And as long as I can limit my exposure, I can get a glimpse of what owning a cat might be like. It's lovely. I love the strong personality that seems to say, yes, I could totally live without you, but please don't let that in any way undermine the love we share together. In truth, it's likely why I ended up with a dog in the form of a Basenji with roughly the same personality. A bit of dramatic emotional distance, but never wanting to be truly ignored and always up for cuddles, even if incapable of admitting it at times. It just makes me smile to see such independence in a creature that is indeed, in the end, fully relying on us to live properly. 
This personality reminds me of my youth when I grew up just a bit too old to be best friends with my mother anymore. I still loved her in exactly the same way, just as I do today, but I was a big kid back then and needed to push the limits of my independence. Bless her heart for enduring those years and perhaps most of the years after. It's definitely part of life, but I wish I'd known back then what I know today. That each wonderful family member in our lives is really the most important thing in the world. No amount of new friends, new dreams, or indeed grand schemes can ever change that. There's a something else there, a connection that sometimes can't be described in words. I've forged a life that is often completely foreign to my extended family, but each time we meet, we know we always share something in common. No matter how different you are, there's always something there that makes you the same. A wonderfully invisible something that you can't always see, but simply feel. That's one of the best connections of all. And I think with pets, when we happily make them our family, the feeling manifests in a similar way. We notice traits that mimic ours, little signals that show we're somehow related. Certainly not in scientific terms, as that would be perfectly weird, but in emotional terms. In those tiny moments that make our hearts smile with a joy that proves life is indeed worth living. Children are the peak of this feeling, of course, in both scientific and emotional terms, a strange replica of who we are and who we were. I've never had a child. I've just been one who grew into an adult before he even knew what was happening. And yet I can still watch my nieces and nephews grow through the same beats in life. Those wonderful learning experiences that make us the people we will ultimately become. And I hope that I have a bit of wisdom to pass along the way, but never too much as to block the beautiful failures that make us all so much better people. I would love to have a chance to nurture those early formative years, to make a positive difference. Perhaps that's why I get a bit teary-eyed in a completely different way when I think about what life would have been like if I could have a kitten. Ducky. So once while Philippe was busy sitting beside me painting a wonderful watercolor of Corsica, I was sitting next to him due to washing a stuffed duck. Meet Ducky. This is the good friend of our dog Phineas, and you'll always find him like this unceremoniously plopped on the floor waiting to be grabbed up in Phineas's teeth at any moment. Though this may seem like an odd way to treat your friend, Ducky doesn't seem to mind as his expression stays pleasantly fixed in a blank stare. There's a game that we're meant to play with Ducky as Phineas brings him over to show us, but we've never been able to figure out exactly how to play it. It's bits of tug of war and fetch, but the exact order is a mystery, and after a few minutes he just looks at us sadly because he realizes we must be stupid. If you're wondering why anyone would do to wash a dog toy, well, there's a secondary significance to Ducky. He's the first toy that Philippe ever bought for Phineas when they met. I have a fun photo of them scrutinizing each other for the first time. This initial scrutiny would lead to love at first sight and a bond that was unshakable over the next six weeks of Philippe's visit. After Philippe went back to Paris, Phineas was visibly shaken and sad. Ducky ceased to be a toy and became a stand-in for his newly lost friend. 
No matter where Ducky had landed in the house, you would find him mysteriously appear again next to Phineas on the couch. He would cuddle up next to him every second he could, occasionally licking him with affection. He did this for two full months while we waited for Philippe to return. Whenever I look at Ducky, it brings back all the memories of that time, which were both wonderful and bittersweet. It's hard to know how to comfort your dog when you're also sad for the very same reason. When Philippe finally came back, Phineas was thrilled. He immediately ran off to grab Ducky by the neck and bring him to show Philippe. But Ducky was just a toy again now, their toy, and it was time for two best friends to play. With the change in Ducky's status, he soon burst seams and one day, while he was once again lying unceremoniously on the floor, he was unceremoniously gutted by Phineas. A sad end for a once prominent member of the family to be sure, but we quickly replaced him with a new one. We've been doing that ever since. You're actually looking at Ducky number 10 and he's the spitting image of the first one, as this is the only duck they sell at our downtown grocery store. When Phineas gets a little too overzealous with Ducky, up to and including attempting to give him a tracheotomy, we simply tell him that Ducky has to go to hospital and will be back soon. This worked well at first, when we actually remember to grab a duck at the store, but sometimes there is a long delay. Phineas just looks at us sadly, assuming we must be poor and therefore do not have a good insurance. But soon all was restored and we were one small happy family again. And Ducky remains today a symbol of a time when life was uncertain, but love was never in doubt. Although you won't find Phineas cuddled up with Ducky these days, and that's just fine. Instead, he'll be cuddled up next to Philippe, who went from stranger to best friend and eventually the best dad who for one little hopeful dog finally came home. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. 